Hey, this is Saka Hitman, Country Manager for LH Asia New Zealand. If you're wanting to learn how to embrace change and navigate through disruption as a leader, then listen to the Leadership is Changing podcast with my good friend, Dennis Giannoutsos. Welcome to Leadership is Changing. Each week, we and our guests provide information and insights through exploring leading change. This is taking your leadership to another level by finding the balance between executive excellence and personal well-being through stories that inspire real change. It's time to adapt in our fast-moving world when leadership is changing with your host, Dennis Giannoutsos. Hey, welcome to the show, Leadership is Changing. What we as leaders know to be true is that change is constant. Leaders everywhere confront similar obstacles because people are people, but everywhere you go, leaders are overwhelmed, disrupted, and under pressure. They run from email to email, meeting to meeting. Many leaders are not changing quick enough, which means they run the risk of becoming irrelevant and being left behind. The purpose of the show is taking our listeners' leadership to another level by finding their balance between executive excellence and personal well-being through stories that inspire real change. I believe we don't have enough effective leaders in the world today, and if we can get the leaders to step up and lead change, then they can inspire real change. Hey, listeners, it's now time to adapt in our fast-moving world, and today I have a guest with me. His name is Saka Hitman, and uh, Saka is is a global experience executive in the areas of business transformation, change management, organizational restructuring, and business process outsourcing. As country manager for Lehek Harrison in New Zealand, Saka works with managing directors, senior HR managers, and other key stakeholders to plan, negotiate, and implement large-scale restructures, downsizes, and career management projects spanning the public and private sectors covering all industries. Previously, Saka worked for American Express Advisory Services, providing a mix of management consultancy and e-commerce solutions. But wait, listeners, he does something else outside of work as well, and he is the honorary consul to the Kingdom of the Netherlands as an extension to the Dutch Embassy in New Zealand. And uh, he's also graduated from the School of Management uh, in the Netherlands, and I'm sure he's going to tell us a little bit more about that. But Saka, hey, welcome to the show today. Thank you very much, Dennis. It's great to be here. Awesome. Hey, so I've just given a quick introduction uh, about you and about a little bit about your background. Tell us a little bit more about yourself. Uh, well, Dennis, you already uh, raised um, iconic point there um, uh, on the Netherlands. So I was born and raised in Friesland, which is a separate province in the northern part of the Netherlands, on a dairy farm. And, um, you know, my parents were people of... Um, very humble beginnings. They uh, started their their farm. Uh, it's, it's a family farm, three generations now. Um, hard work and to advance in life, um, they uh, that, that was necessary and they instilled a strong sense of learning for me in, in that time as well. I was not really a farmer's, I was obviously the farmer's son, but I was not a farmer at heart. And um, I, I went on from, uh, from going from the most northern part of the Netherlands to the most southern part of the Netherlands to a hotel school because I was really keen on food and drink, which I still am. And I did a Bachelor of Hospitality Management in uh, in the hotel school in Maastricht, where also a great treaty was, was signed, a beautiful uh, Roman city. Um, and um, during that time, uh, I had the opportunity to travel and, and do internships, which gives you the practical um, side of, of, of the degree and went to to France twice. And the second time I was in France, I met a lovely lady 
who I followed all the way down to New Zealand. Um, so I met Deborah in Paris, but we ended up in, uh, in Christchurch, where I originally worked in hospitality. Strangely enough, that was in the, that was in the 1990s. Um, it's a very different world from what New Zealand is today. And hospitality was really not, not a career. Hospitality is, was just to, you know, get you through university, as my kids are doing at the moment. And uh, I invested a lot of money and time and effort in that degree, which was supposed to get you started at a management level, because, um, you know, all that, all that effort that had gone into it. And basically when I um, arrived in Christchurch, I went to, um, I started at the Park Royal as a, basically running a, a cocktail bar. Very useful, um, <laughs> you know, when you, when you like to throw a party, but not exactly sort of the level where I would like to have started. So it did ground me in, in, in uh, learning about life in New Zealand and how, how, how that went. But I felt impatient, and um, uh, Deborah, my wife, finished her degree um, uh, at that time, and, and and then I said, "Let's venture back to Europe," and, and we went on a on a on a journey there, and, and and we said, "Let's just go for a couple of years." We stayed seventeen years in the Netherlands. I I moved from hospitality into tourism, uh, and from tourism into uh, I guess the 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 time that I started at American Express was more getting into consultancy, and um, that's where. I guess the leadership side of things started for me as a person. Okay, cool. So you've gone from dairy humble beginnings, then you were at the north of uh, the Netherlands, went to the south of the Netherlands, and then you went all the way to the south of the world, down to New Zealand to follow a lovely lady, and then, of course, into other things too, cocktails, hospitality, and uh, taking you into other areas as well. So that's that's pretty cool. And um very good. So how did you actually get into leadership? I mean, you mentioned it just a little briefly there, but how did you actually get yeah. into it? Um, I had an interview at the time uh, with a guy in Amsterdam. Um, Amsterdam had quite a large off American Express office, um, but the decision had to be not really approved, but at least have a, have a second opinion by the executive vice president and managing director for American Express and Better Lux. Um, so I, I drove to Brussels for that interview, and it was a, the lady was called Michelle Dower, and it was more of a rubber stamping my role, but I didn't know that. I was quite nervous for the interview, and the first thing she said to me, well, I think this will be the beginning of your real career. Huh. And actually, I was quite a bit offended and taken back by that, to be honest, but I think in retrospect, I've almost worked 10 years for MX and the Blue Box. I think I think it was definitely true. I had done a lot of management, but I hadn't done a lot of leadership. So in, in essence, you were, she, she was right. Okay, so the beginning of your real career. Wow, interesting. Yes. Yeah, yeah. And um, so tell me, I'm sure there may have been several people, but who's your favorite leader? Now, this person could be alive or from history. Who's your favourite leader and why? Well, Dennis, for, for obvious reasons, you probably will be able to understand that I can't give you just one. I think uh, I thought about this long and hard over the weekend when, when you asked me to come on, on, on this show. And um, I have to say that Ken Chenault, the CEO at American Express during the time that I was there, has been a great inspiration, great leader. Also in this day and age of diversity and inclusion, it's great to, uh, to to have a man like that 
to look up to. And and it was a real privilege. I had I had the opportunity to meet him three times. Now these moments, as you will understand, are not very long. So I, I had probably on total maybe 10 minutes with him. But I think what struck me really, first of all, he's a really nice guy, very, very down to earth, very humble in in, in, in a way as well. But I think what I what I learned from him is that it's really key to focus on the customer and to focus on on building a brand. It's important to to keep your eye on the ball with the customer. And he used the words that um, people like to connect emotionally and rationally to a service and a product, and particularly that emotional connection, I think, is really important and and is something that I've carried with me in in my career and, and, and definitely working for LHH here in New Zealand where our brand is not as well known. I've always gone back to that. It's, you know, do your best with your customers, keep your, fo- keep your focus there. The other thing that he has done over the time that he's been there is constantly reinventing the company. I mean, American Express mm. is about 160 plus years and, and you need to reinvent yourself to stay current, uh, uh, in the marketplace, and and the other thing that I was really quite amazed by at the time when when I just started working there is he said it's okay to make a mistake, make make a lot of mistakes, but not the same ones all the time because from the mistakes you learn that you will you will progress. But he says whatever you do, never tarnish the brand. So th- those are sort of a few things that he brought along, and and I just wanted to share with you because I went actually went back and and watched an interview. That he did in 2014, and, and he was reflecting on 9/11 and the um, and, and obviously the, the awful loss of life on on some of our colleagues, there were 17 of them uh, who were lost in the twin towers there. And but he says said at the time also the hard part of being a leader around layoffs is really difficult. And I thought that that is really relevant in today's time with COVID and a lot of companies um, making those hard decisions. And he said the challenge of leadership during this time is being decisive and compassionate at the same time. And and what struck me as well from that interview, he said that people need to both tell the truth and don't talk down on people. And you have to explain the reason why. And I thought that that was was quite poignant, particularly uh, since we are seeing such a lot of change currently in the market, not just here, but over the world. Yeah, let me ask a question around what you just shared before about what he said around keep reinventing yourself, meaning I think more the, the company is reinventing itself. But would that also be true for you as a leader, as an individual, having to reinvent yourself on a regular basis? Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think in any role and in any any new responsibility, you've, you'd learn new things. And, and I mean, you, you I, um, yeah, I don't know quite how I would say that, um, but you you meet yourself when you grow when you when you go through that as a leader you 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 come across situations that you might not have dealt with before and when I when I came to New Zealand with American Express which was fantastic they they you know they they family cats and all were were taken uh, back to New Zealand they a couple of years later unfortunately I was hit by a restructure myself and my role was moved to Singapore and we'd chosen as a family not to want to move. And I had to reinvent myself. I, I came from, as I said at the beginning, hospitality, tourism. In the advisory services side, it was all around procurement and, and, mm-hmm. and, and that side of things. And 
I didn't really have a finance background. I just dabbled in it for a little bit with a local, local company in New Zealand. But in the end, I ended up with a recruitment back company with Randstad initially. And, and now LHH is part of the wider Redeco group. So, yeah, you do need to adapt to uh, the situation and, and um, reinvent yourself. Yeah, and I think what you talked about before is that you probably develop yourself, you go and do things that you may not have done past, but you always say, well, meet yourself, as you said, probably you become that person, that leader, and also it's a maturity thing too, which is interesting yeah. to see. So, Saka, the show is called Leadership is Changing. What does that mean for you when I say that statement? I thought about it long and hard. I actually, I actually think that I don't necessarily think that leadership is changing so much. I think that the world we live in is changing very rapidly. I mean, COVID has shown that um, fourth industrial revolution, technology, innovation, staying on top of normal things like your competition and being under the spotlight of social media are all sort of things that, that impact leaders. I think when, when it boils down to it, I think... And you had um, uh, Vince Molinaro in your show earlier on, and he talks about leadership as a decision. You need to make it. It's an obligation. It's hard work, um, and you can't do it on your own. I think all those behavioural, I would call them behavioural, are are really relevant in today's world. And, and some of it might not be completely revolutionary, but it is really important to do, the, do those things right and I'd like to add maybe that, you know, when I grew up as, as a kid, as I said, in, 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 on that farm, my dad would always say, you know, do what you say you're going to do and act with integrity and be humble. And I think that has helped me to come along a long way. Yeah, very career. good. Yeah, excellent. Well done. Hey, so tell me, how has your business or industry changed and what, what demand has that put on you and your team? For those listeners who are not familiar with LHH, we, we, we're fundamentally a coaching organisation and and in the current climate, the demand for our services are huge and whether that is uh, career development or, as I said, our placement or tr- tr- transition services, leadership coaching or helping leaders navigate and lead through change, all of that um, is, is, is really important at the moment. And the, the impact that it has on our business is that we because the demand is high and there is a lot of competition from all different sorts of, of fields, we have to move a lot faster and smarter and deliver innovation and technology that underpins our practice uh, at much greater speed than, than we have done before. You might have heard about the launch and rollout of ESRA, which has been a, a result of that need. But yes, it is the speed in which things happen and, and trying to stay on top of that, that I think is the... Uh, is what our industry is is impacting. Okay, very good. And if there was one thing that you could change in business as a leader today, well, what would that one thing be for you? If I focus on the New Zealand market in particular, I think what is really great about New Zealand is that we're a small market, we're very agile people, I think we adapt quickly to technology, to products and services. I think we've got quite a nimble mindset here, which is great because we, we can try things out and we can run with them. And if it doesn't work, it doesn't matter. We'll, we'll start all over again. And, and, and so we, it's a really good testing ground. And New Zealand is a market of very few large corporates and lots of smart, small, medium enterprise. And, and the one thing that does 
is a little bit of a bugbear for me is that Kiwi companies do not, in my view, have long enough horizon looking at their people and, and investing in people. We know as a company how much investment is going on when when companies want to protect their employer brand, when they want to, you know, mitigate litigation, when you know, when they go through restructures and they spend money on that. I think by adjusting some of that budget to more focusing on retraining, reskilling, and giving employees career guidance to, to a new future, as I said earlier on as well, that, 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 that future focus is really important. And I think if you do that, and we have a few companies who are, who are starting to work with LHH at the moment doing that, um, it's, it's, it's early beginnings, but I think that will definitely help you help the company and, and the employee. Okay, uh, that's, that's, that's great. I'm asking you yeah. as the leader, what would you change? What would you like to what change? Would I change? Yeah, I'm not, I'm not, are we talking about you as a leader? So, okay, I'm interviewing you. So, what would you change? <laughs> I would put a stronger focus on ongoing learning, and that, that doesn't happen enough. And that includes doing that for myself. Um, I don't think I've put any effort in my own personal development over the past, you know, three to four years. And to remain current in the in the marketplace, I think that's where we need to focus more on. And that's the same for coaching, actually, being in a coaching environment. You know, not having my own personal coach, for example, is, is you could consider that that's something that I could change. So ongoing learning is something that all leaders should look at. If, if there's one thing you could change in business today, and that would be to have ongoing learning, to remain current, focus on the things that you might need to learn to be able to run your business today and be in the industry for sure. Yeah. Yeah, good. Okay, that's good. Thank you. And and so you know and I know employees. We've got friends who are um, who are employees. Yeah, you are uh, probably an employee of an organisation. So how has employees' expectations of leaders changed? Quite a bit, I think, um, particularly already because of the demographics of people that we need to work with. So, yep. I mean, probably there's enough said about the millennials and uh, versus my own generation, Generation X. Uh, I think people have different motivators to go to work and, and I think that is... That is something that can be a bit of a headache for leaders in in, in uh, today's world. For the young leaders, it's probably harder to understand the older leaders and vice versa. So there is a bit of mentoring required both ways. And I think the other thing that is is definitely changing um, is is the working arrangements people have with their employer. So some will be right. Uh, you know, and I don't mean virtually or physically in an office. I mean more. Some of people will come in for a project yeah. for for six months, and right. someone else has worked, been working there for ten years, and someone someone else is bringing in a contractor. So those kind of arrangements require a different form of leadership as well. And 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 I think the art of influencing is is really more and more important in a leader than telling people what to go and do because people won't people won't. Yeah, you know, you have to you have to go through those motivators and help people understand. Uh, and it's the win-win for everyone that you need to try and find. Yeah, very good. Oh, that's good. Some good things there. And um, yeah, there are different motivations uh, motivations for different people at all ages, right? Right across the spectrum for sure. Yeah. Hey, so Saka, um, what makes a leader successful today in this fast-paced, ever-changing world? Because it's moving fast, right? So, what makes a leader successful today? 
Um, I come back to some of the things that I've heard other leaders in your show say. I think um, I think what, what's really key to me is being transparent as, as a leader. I think um, being your authentic self, uh, take your authentic self to work. I mean, talk a lot about, but it is important. People can perform better that way. I think a positive attitude helps. I mean, if you don't really want to be there, then, you know, maybe you have <laughs> find something else to go and do. Um, yeah. You know, positive attitude is really important. Do you, do you um, mean like go to a cocktail bar type scenario and go make cocktails? Not like <laughs> that's a nice, it could be a nice side interest, maybe to get the team motivated at Christmas time. Yeah. Hey, when you say you're being your authentic self, what do we mean by that? Well, as you as you can hear, I'm I'm not a Kiwi. I, I've worked in I worked in different countries, and and in the beginning, you you're worried about you know how you how you sound, how you come across, or how we how how we Dutch people do things. You take that with you, and you, you know initially when I came to New Zealand, people said I was way too direct in my communication. I was too. I, I mean, we're entrepreneurs in the Netherlands, so I, I, I like to build a business, and therefore we need to sign contracts and yep. agreements with one another. And some of our customers that I've dealt with uh, or are now customers of ours have told me that, you know, I'm a bit too direct and too salesy. And so, you know, you can adjust, but you need to remain yourself to be able to keep on going as a leader as well. So you have to find a fine balance between those two. Yeah, nice. Yeah, that's, that's brilliant. So that balance is really important because, you know, I think if people – see that you're not being your authentic self, that they can, you know, there's that other word you use about being transparent, right? So people can see right through you if yes. you're not being authentic for sure and it just doesn't come across very well at all. No. Yeah. And what about the positive attitude? What what can people do? I mean, I know we talked about the laughter, about the cocktail bar, but what, what can people do? What can leaders who are listening to this show right now uh, anywhere in the world today and what, what could they do to have a positive attitude? Some of it you're born with, I guess, right? You know, half glass full, uh, empty kind of thing. But I, 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 one thing that I, I did learn in my sales career is that, you know, when you try to get to a deal and it's not working for yourself, you know, you have to go through those stages and you know, for acceptance and all the, all the change stuff that we do as well in our practice. You, yep. you need to go through quickly so that you can focus again. Okay, well, this one was not meant to be, right? So move on and 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 start again. You know, pick yourself up and um, and that brings you know you, that, that resilience is required in sales, but it's also you know, required in lots of um, lots of other jobs. Yeah, very good. Okay, good. Thank you. Thanks for sharing. So there was three things: transparency, uh, authentic self, positive attitude. Was there anyone anything else you wanted to add? Yeah, definitely, definitely that client focus is really important. Without clients, we, you know, we don't have a team to manage, so we need to be customer focused. Yeah, I think leaders, uh, the clients are very important for us indeed. So I'm going to get you to get out your crystal ball now. I mean, um, so I'm going to get you to start thinking about the future. And the question I've got for you is where do you see leadership being in five years from now? That's the hardest question that you sent through our thoughts. I think, I think... Um, you will see change happening a lot faster going forward. And so I think for leaders to operate in that kind of environment, they have to provide clarity, I think, first and foremost. So, uh, and of course, leaders should always do that, but I think it becomes more and more fundamental, I think. And, and they need to provide a path 
a clear path through the maze of complexity for the people who they lead. And they need to do so at speed. And that requires good communication skills, empathy, just-in-time decision-making. You have to be comfortable with that, and that requires resilience, as as I mentioned before. And so I guess it's really important that when you do step up to be a leader, that you do that with, you know, with with the right intent. And otherwise, you should remain uh, a personal contributor or a great expert in your field, because that is required of leaders, I think. Yeah. Tell me more about the right intent. What do we mean by that? Well, as we talked about transparency, um, you know, all the changes that are are, are hitting a company at the moment, you. you if you share that you have the right intent with where you're taking your business, people will trust you as a leader and um, you need that trust because because of the speed in which you need to make decisions, leaders will trip up from time to time and yep. you need to be able to explain that to to the people who are following you. And yep. I think... Um, yeah, that's, that's what I mean with it. And I think you go back to the leader that you talked about before, the, your favourite leader, and that you talked about how he taught, he said you're making a decision with compassion, right, and um, at the same time it's really good. And I think that's really important. But the other thing you said too about trust, that is that is a huge one. And I think through the pandemic, and I don't know whether you've seen it by talking to various uh, executives around the place, but I think with trust and going through the pandemic we had, those organisations that had very good trust or had a certain level of trust or foundation of trust were able to adapt quickly. Did you see that at all? What was your thoughts, Nate? Yes, yes. Well, we've just had politics um, uh, here um, coming to a conclusion over the over the weekend, and uh, I think you can see that that if that is not there, then things fall apart, um, and and. You have that in business as well, so that trust is essential to to as a leader. Yep, yeah, and it doesn't happen overnight either. You need to do oh. that with you know with with every small interaction you build towards the bigger trust piece. Yeah, so there's no there's no magic pill to take to say da da. We've got trust. It's, it does take time, as you say. You have to build it over time, but it's even in the small cases as well, small scenarios, the small things that actually start to build and accumulate around that trust, I think, which is important. Yeah. Excellent. Hey, Saka, thank you for joining us on the show today. If our listeners are wanting to get hold of you, where should they go? Best way through LinkedIn. And I have a very unusual surname, so I'm sure you'll find me in the phone book if you need to in New Zealand as well. Yeah, very good. Thank you. Well, thank you for joining us. The show has been brilliant to have you on as a guest. Thank you very much for having me. Very much enjoyed it. Excellent. Hey, listeners, what we as leaders know to be true is that change is constant and change is incredibly scary, especially with the unknown, the unfamiliar territory. It's time to adapt in our fast-moving world when leadership is changing. Hey, look out for the episodes as they've been released and download them and have a listen to them and put a review and a rating. Feel free to share them with your friends and your network. Hey, if there's some feedback you'd like to give me on the show or if there's a question you'd like to send my guests for them to answer, or if there's a question you have for myself on the Ask Dennis episode, which is a freestyle episode happening once a week, send me an email, dennis at leadingchangepartners.com, and I look forward to hearing from you. Hey, listeners, great for you to tune in with us today on the show. Great to have you here. Thanks for tuning in, and bye for now. 
Thank you for listening to this episode of Leadership is Changing with your host, Dennis Giannoutsas. Each week, we and our guests provide information and insights through exploring leading change, inspiring executives and leaders to adapt and lead a bigger game in a fast-moving world. 